last 10 years have been disrupted by innovation, policy and pressure from generation to the end consumer. Join us on a journey through the decade. Welcome to the Smart Energy International podcast, your guide to innovation and trends in the global power and energy sectors. I'm your host, Philip Gordon, and today we'll be talking about the evolution of the power sector over one of the most exciting decades in the history of electric power. Now, globally, the power and utility sectors have evolved at unprecedented rates, thanks to the emergence and rapidly the prominence of new technologies and innovation from generation to the end consumer. We've also seen a major shift in how we view the sector and its function in modern life, and that's happened in countless ways. Today, we'll consider how the sector's grown from four perspectives, generation, innovation, communication, and the consumer over the last decade. And we're joined by four experts in their own right, each having walked the journey with the sector to share their experiences and insights. Uh, joining us, we have Claire Falkmain, who is the editor-at-large at Smart Energy International, Calvin Ross, who is the head of content strategy for Inlet Europe and the editor-in-chief for Power Engineering International and Smart Energy International. We're also joined by Paddy Young, the event director for Inlet Europe, and lastly, Teresa Hansen, the vice president of content for Clarion Energy. Claire, I thought we'd start with you. You know, we've seen, we've seen the world of power change dramatically in recent years. What stands out for you as, as being a personal highlight in terms of the evolution of the sector? Thanks, Phil. I, you know, it, it's funny. I think for me, the evolution of the sector was really brought home when we were in Paris last year for European Utility Week. I remember attending my very first, what was then called Metering Europe, probably in around 2004. And it was a, a small show really just made up of metering companies. And to go back to a similar location 15 years later was really, it, it, it really brought home just the complete shift that has happened within the sector and, and, and how big that this particular industry has grown. It, it's amazing. <laughs> Looking at, at the UK, Colvin, I know that, uh, that you are based um, in Great Britain and you've certainly seen uh, one or two very, very interesting things emerge. Do you have any standout memory that just that pops to mind that just really shows how, how the sector has shifted? Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me today. Um, I think the, the thing that really brought it home, the most tangible thing, was, was a very personal thing. And, you know, we all know about the, the rise of renewables in, in, in the last decade. And, you know, I've reported on it for, for that for those 10 years. And, and in reporting that thing, it's very easy. You talk about big numbers and big projects, and it's vaguely in the abstract a lot of the time. So what brought it home for me was when I was finally able to buy my own electricity as renewable energy you know it was a huge thing you know yeah everyone had talked for years that you know you'd be able to run your home and you'll be certain that that has come from a hundred percent renewables and then it finally happened for me and now it's going to stage further in that i can also you know, my gas can be you know as much green gas as it can be and so for me and uh, and this this is going back three four years probably when this first happened and that was a bit of a 
a milestone moment because all the all this stuff that I'd written about for all the years, all these years, had suddenly quite literally been brought home. Absolutely, we, we've seen self-generation and then prosumer culture also come up. We'll be looking at uh, at consumers in more detail um, in just a little bit. But uh, but Paddy, uh, thank you for joining us. Just looking at the evolution, you know, as Claire said, we've seen technology play a huge role. Um, in the shows and the events that we produce. And we've seen uh, what, what was European Utility Week and, and PowerGen Europe evolved to the Inlet brand as, as we know it today. What stood out for you in the last decade, uh, just in terms of the show and the evolution of the sector? I think for me, uh, the, the biggest shift I've seen is a sort of mindset uh, aspect. When I first uh, got involved uh, with the sector, not, not as, I've not been in, involved as long as some of the people here, eight years. Um, and I have to say, when I first joined, I, I wanted to get a, a feel for the sector. So I visited a lot of, a lot of conferences. And, and the thing that got, got to me there was the fact that I'd see people on stage and it was very sort of fatalistic. You'd have senior people within utilities sort of referring to themselves as dinosaurs and, and really very fatalistic about the future. Um, and looking at uh, very uh, suspiciously at some uh, some sort of tech uh, newcomers, and that that for me was quite quite significant. And what was even more significant was how that attitude has changed, how that uh, the, the utilities are embracing change, embracing innovation, working with these tech um, newcomers, as it were. Uh, and I, I feel a sort of very much more bullish approach and a very much more optimistic view of the future. And that's, that's in a period of, uh, of eight years. And it, it's been, for me, very, um, yeah, very enriching to see, to see this. Teresa, just shifting our view across the, across the ocean, or should we say across the pond, really, looking at the North American market, which is vast. What major changes have you seen that, that have really sort of stuck out in the U.S. market for you over, over the past 10 years or so? Well, I think similar to, to what Kelvin said, I mean, we've seen this, this huge shift from large baseload generation to allowing more renewables and distributed generation to be put out on the grid. And then, of course, the development of all the technologies that, that go with them. And, you know, I think back to about probably about 10 years ago, you know, I had covered power generation for a long time. I was starting to cover the transmission and distribution side of the industry. And I'd been to an event and, and they were talking a great deal about energy storage and, you know, just kind of all the, the things that were going to be coming up in the future. And so I came back to the office. I was very excited. I talked to one of my colleagues there who covered the generation industry and I was talking to him about energy storage and lithium ion batteries and, you know, some of the progress that was being made and, and just what that was going to allow, you know, how it was going to allow the industry to, to transition and to, to become more sustainable and greener and that sort of thing. And he laughed at me and, and he basically said, you know, I can't believe that you're going to, that you would fall for something like that. That's, that's never going to happen. There's never going to be a lot of renewable energy. There's never going to be much energy storage. That's just, you know, a pipe dream. You know, we, we are always going to have to have these large baseload power plants and, and none of that's going to occur. And so I was you know shocked and disappointed that, that he was such a skeptic and just seemed very unwilling to, um, even consider that the industry was going to evolve or much less transition the way it has. So I think that's when I realized that there was kind of like there is in U.S. politics, there was a big disconnect between kind of, you know, there was one um, area of the industry that thought things cannot change, technology will never allow it, we have to keep them the way they are. And then this other 
uh, side of the industry that thought, you know, there are many, many possibilities out there and things are going to change. And of course, when you look back, um, what's happened over the last 10 years, I mean, obviously, you know, what I heard at that, that event 10 years ago about energy storage and renewables um, did come to fruition. I just thought that was kind of an interesting story and, and, and just kind of shows the, uh, the, the struggles maybe or the challenges that, you know, the industry has had in, in the U.S. That's, that's very, very interesting. And, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Calvin, you've been working particularly closely with power generation over the past decade. What are the major changes that you've seen happen in the generation space? Well, the, obviously, the, the big story that everyone knows is, yes, renewables have gone from almost you know, zero to hero in, in a remarkably short, length, rel- relatively short length of time compared to the growth period for other forms of generation. Uh, and at the same time, you know, coal has, coal has diminished and, and that's on the back of, uh, you know, a climate agenda that then pushes its way into a boardroom that then pushes its way into investors who won't invest in coal. So, you know, coal goes down, renewables go up. The interesting thing, going back to what Paddy mentioned when you went to um, conferences and, you know, they talked about things in a fatalistic way. It was interesting to even go when you went to a renewables conference, say, 10 years ago. And I vividly remember going to a wind conference. uh, And it was very much a them and us scenario. And, you know, I, I sat there and I was conscious that it was almost like this was existing in a bubble, in a, like a parallel universe of, you know, we could do all these wonderful things with wind. And there was no mention of the rest of the industry. And the same thing happened if you went to a gas conference or a nuclear conference. And then that shifted in about the last five, four years, maybe, in that there was a far more holistic approach and you know they acknowledge the benefits of each other you know particularly with the likes of of gas and renewables and to an extent nuclear they've suddenly realized that they are pretty compatible bedfellows and to get to to the ultimate goal of you know a hundred percent clean energy they all need to rely on each other to the extent now that you have um, companies whose the bread and butter of their business historically and even now is still gas generation but they position themselves as enablers of this transition to 100% renewables. And you think, well, that's an odd thing to do because you're not in the renewables industry, you're, you're in the gas industry. But then the gas industry too is changing so much with the move to green gas that they know that along the way, this journey, by the time they get to what the, the, the final destination of 100% clean energy, their whole business model will have changed and they'll still be gas, but they'll be green gas. The way that that dialogue between themselves, not the dialogue we have about them, but between where, how the market talks to itself and about itself has changed in a very short space of time. If we look at the motivating factors for those changes, the changes in attitude, Teresa, you touched on it too, as did you, Paddy. Um, the reluctance in the market initially with, uh, with the rise of new technologies, and yet there seemed to be... Uh, a contradictory attitude at the same time of, of people saying, well, this is urgent. We need to actually address uh, issues around climate change. We need to get the energy transition kicked into high gear. Do you think it's fear of the unknown um, that maybe is, is driving reluctance? And, and, and what are we seeing that's actually sort of turning that perception around coming from the market? I think there's always fear of the unknown. And that fear goes away 
when the unknown suddenly becomes known in financial terms. So when, when re the price of renewables comes down and then when they reach parity and then when they become the cheapest kid on the block, and suddenly, you know, there's no fear there. There's nothing unknown about them. They're, they're, they're a pretty sure thing. And that same journey is starting to happen to, to other innovations in the, in the energy sector. Talking about energy and, and innovation then, and, and looking at as to how it's risen to prominence, Claire, if I could pose a question to you, uh, just looking at, uh, at attitudes amongst the industry, is this sort of a, a, a rise in, in a new generation coming to, coming to the fore, or is it still very much with the old guard in terms of driving the sector forward, would you say? Well, you know, I, I was actually listening to Paddy when he um, was sharing how he came into the industry and what he said re really resonated with me in terms of that there was this feeling amongst the utilities that they were the old god that they were dinosaurs that you know many people spoke about that whole like death spiral of of the utility and i look at them now and i am amazed at how many innovations are not only coming out of utilities but are being driven by them uh, in terms of how they are engaging with startups how they are hiring for instance chief innovation officers how they are actively embracing this changing dynamic this changing sector and i think that they are incredibly aware that that the sector is changing and i think for for a lot of the people that work in this industry it's something that they are really excited to get behind well absolutely i mean if, i mean we've seen companies evolve from from being pure perhaps metering based companies into into larger organizations um, is there something that you can maybe just say to that in terms of where perhaps a metering company would have started out 15 years ago being purely metering, you know, where has, where has the market shifted to then amongst uh, the old guard? I think that from, from a metering perspective, uh, for instance, there aren't uh, many pure metering companies left. Um, I think that most of them have changed and adapted and no longer see themselves as performing a single function. You know, they have become metering companies and then they've become meter, meter service providers and now, in many cases, they are smart energy companies and they facilitate so much more than just metering. They now encompass communication and meter data management and analytics and analytic-based decision-making. So, you know, I think that the concept of a pure metering company is, is something that uh, is definitely a thing of the past. Just looking at communication then, does seem to strike me as being one of the major contributing factors to, to the modernization that we've seen in the sector. Does that ring true for you, Claire? I, I remember when I first started hearing people mentioning the concept of a smart grid, uh, it, was, it was a little bit difficult to kind of wrap your head around. And one of the people that I spoke to said to me, if you want to know anything about a smart grid, just bear in mind that it is about communication. And that for me was, was really a, a shifting point in terms of my perception. And that addition of communication onto the grid has changed almost everything. It's changed the kind of insights that people are able to get from their transmission lines, from their distribution network, from 
even the, the, the equipment that is on their network. But it's also, it's brought more than that, uh, just purely from the perspective that it's also driven concerns with, within uh, that communication technology uh, or, or within that, that communication sector around things like the protection of personal data and personal information and has, has also added to a need to, to build in privacy and security by design because the communication, while it enables so much, it also enables more potential intrusions. Well, I mean, just looking at the rise of communication, you know, Teresa, and then looking at the, the sorts of technologies that we've seen, what sort of technology around communications have you seen come to the fore in the U.S. market? Well, certainly communication is, is huge, as Claire mentioned. I mean, to have a smart grid, you have to have communication. And I think communication coupled with, you know, new digital technology or cheap digital technology, which has allowed utilities to put sensors and, and really even, you know, small computers similar to what we have in our in our cell phones, to put the, that uh, technology and those innovations out on the grid has made a huge huge difference in, in making the grid much, much smarter than it ever was before and allowing operators to really be able to view and see what is going on in the grid, often in real time, but if not real time, near real time, which is obviously um, huge in improving reliability and efficiency and just uh, creating a, a, a smarter and cheaper grid. But I think, you know, as, as Claire mentioned, communication is key. Here in the U.S., you know, initially when when utilities were trying to gather information on the grid, a lot of them had private networks that they either had to buy or they leased, and they had protocols that went along with them that were, you know, again, kind of private protocols. There was not a, a, this open protocols like, like we see now. And I think really the, the new, the, the, the cellular telephone industry has created a, a huge opportunity for utilities and really helped in, in moving the grid forward. We started with 3G and then 4G, and now we're going into 5G. And obviously that allows utilities to, you know, subscribe to these, these large communication networks that somebody else owns, that somebody else is operating and somebody else is maintaining. It allows them to sus subscribe to that. And, you know, as these networks grow and we go into 5G, it allows so much data that can be collected out on the grid with those cheap smart sensors, having that sent back to the control room, having it even analyzed at, at times out on the grid has just made huge, huge inroads into creating this smart grid that is visible to the operator no matter where they are. And I think that that is, is definitely key to a lot of the um, transition that we've seen. Patty, if I could, if I could look to you for a second, in terms of innovation of both the show and and the sector, is there something that you could maybe add to that? Then, just in terms of how you've seen uh, technology come to the fore. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's quite interesting. It's something as as an event, we realise the uh, the importance of innovation. You know, the the the, the technology of of today is not going to uh, facilitate and enable the uh, the targets uh, that are being set, um, particularly. Um, in Europe with the sort of 2030, 2040, 2050 uh, roadmap. 
So we realize that's one thing, but also, you know, it's all well and good having innovation, but you need uh, a workforce that, that can take that forward. So um, as well as innovation, obviously, the young talent aspect is, is crucial. They go hand in hand going forward. And we recognize that with Initiate as a, as a, as a program. Um, but as far as innovation is concerned, I, I see, and this was the beauty of actually bringing, coming together with PowerGen, um, with European Utility Week, and ultimately coming uh, to, to create Enlit, uh, as, as an end-to-end -end event was the different kind of technologies obviously if you're looking at grid there's a lot of you know people used to make jokes about uh, initiating it was all app uh, creators it was all blockchain um, type uh, type innovation but but what, what I, I feel now is yes that's that is crucial you know I'm, I'm not going to uh, to sort of rank where innovation is important but you know we see things like with with the development of gas and we see sector coupling we see more sort of capital equipment type innovation. We see the turbine aspect from uh, turbines developing into, uh, into hybrids so that they can run on, uh, on renewable gas. We're looking at sort of electrolyzer technology there as well. We're looking at the gas network itself is, is something we talk about the, the, the electricity grid and, and you know, that is essential. A stable grid is essential to the energy transition. It's, it still will be one of the, the, the biggest areas of investments going forward. But the same can be said for the gas grid. Um, you know, you're looking at reversible flows. You're looking at the ability um, to, to monitor to leak, leaks. So I see, I see a sort of a, um, a broader range of people talk innovation and they think, immediate, they think of it immediately around uh, that sort of uh, super high tech aspect. But I see this, this innovation across the board and I find that very uh, interesting. And just harkening back to, to Kelvin's point, this sort of innovation cannot be done in silos because of sector coupling and the impact on where these systems connect. There has to be a lot more communication and innovation in groups. Um, and different kinds of technology, which, which can bring in new players and, 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 and new outlooks. And I, I just see this sort of myriad of, of opportunity and people grasping it. So I'm very excited about that. So Paddy, you mentioned Initiate. Tell us a little about Initiate. For us, as, as, I, as I said earlier, it's, we, we need to focus on um, innovation in the sector. And again, if we put this in context of an event, um, something that, that frustrates me a little bit is if you put event organizers into a room and they want to add value, they'll say, well, let's, let's, uh, let's put, put more content there. Let's, let's do innovation. And we said as a group, we said we really, really want to do innovation. So we'll, we'll invest in this. It's something we're going to take very seriously. You know, we, we want this event to be for everybody, not just the large companies, but the small tech companies, even maybe even more important uh, in many, many respects. So we, we invested in, in this to create a program that was a showcase for startups. It was um, a showcase for innovation. So we have lots of presentations around innovation. We work with the Game Changer Index to look at the bright mindset to enable that. And, and we also work with young talent and research institutes. So we, we feel um, we want to attract more young talent into the energy sector. And I have to say, because of the fact that, that people want to, to have purpose in their lives, we, we see a, a positive impact with young people coming here, whether they young engineers or people involved in, in, in digital element would be maybe looking at, at a different route than the energy sector. So, you know, the, that purpose in, in, in life has, has, has helped us uh, help the sector attract people. So that was really what Initiate is, would, is about. It's really about creating a platform to stimulate, to showcase innovation, new technology, 
and and for young talent and we're delighted the fact that 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 program is now going around the world with uh, with all of our events and an online platform is being developed as well Just looking at attitudes again as having a as having a driving role in terms of moving the sector forward, we've also seen a change in terms of the typical consumer. And having a look generationally, I mean, would you say looking to you, Teresa, and looking at the U.S. market now in particular, how has the typical U.S. consumer changed over the past decade in terms of attitudes, in terms of demands um, or expectations? Sure, there's been, I think there's been a huge change in the last 10 years. And I think that a change with the consumer, consumer's expectations, and then also a change whereas utilities are recognizing that their consumers are different. But, you know, I mean, they were rate payers, they bought electricity, they got a bill, and that was really all that the, they looked to the utility for. Now, I think, um, again, you know, you talked about generations, I think, certainly the younger generation of, of customers, you know, they have grown up with technology. You know, if they can order a pizza from Domino's on an app and, and never have to, you know, open, open anything from the mail, never even go check their mail, that's what they want to do. And that's what they expect from their utilities as well. So they're looking for, for ease. They want to be able to do everything on their phone without having to talk to a person without, again, like I said, not having to, to look for anything in the mail and certainly not going somewhere in person to get their service started or disconnected or to change their address or, or whatever it might be. So I think that that is, is a huge thing that, you know, utilities have had to adapt to. And, they, and obviously, they're beginning to do that in the U.S. So I think that's one thing. The, the other side of that is I think that, you know, a lot of customers now becoming what they call prosumers or basically they have the ability now to actually generate their own electricity if they choose to do so. And, of course, that's a very scary thing for any utility company or any energy provider because that, you know, they make their revenue from selling their electricity. And I think that's changing too. Now they're looking at what else can I provide to these consumers that will make them happy, that will keep them connected. What other services can I provide? So that's another another area where I think consumers have changed. And I think one of the biggest ones in the U.S. is, um, you know, kind of goes back to the whole prosumer thing. I mean, you know, we have an administration now that has rolled back a lot of regulations that were put into place with the previous administration that had to do with environmental uh, regulations and things in order to continue to move our energy sector to a cleaner, more sustainable sector. But what we're finding is that it's really not being driven by regulation anymore. It's being driven by consumers. And in a lot of cases, those are big CNI customers of utilities. And what these, these customers, they have, have made a commitment that they are going to make their businesses more sustainable. And oftentimes that starts with making smarter, cleaner choices when it comes to electricity. So you have companies like Walmart, Google, Amazon, and that, that's just a few. I mean, there's many, many more that have decided, you know, if their utility or their energy service provider cannot provide them with the clean, sustainable energy that they want, then they will just build it themselves. And you have a lot of, of companies in the U.S. that are doing that. They're putting in maybe it's, it's large solar parks uh, coupled with storage, or sometimes it might be even wind turbines. Uh, they may be building their own wind farm. And so I think that utilities are seeing that, and they do not, obviously, do not want these customers to completely abandon 
the, the grid and, and disconnect. So again, they are looking at ways that they can meet customer expectations. So I think in many ways, these customer expectations are certainly driving a lot of innovation. They're driving to a more sustainable um, system, you know, across the country. And so I do think that, you know, the customer is certainly no longer just a rate payer. They are definitely an active participant in what is happening with the energy transition. Would you say then that the majority of the effort in, in terms of driving the energy transition forward, driving the, the future of, of the U.S. energy market, would you say that's coming then from the private sector or would you say that there's an increase expected in terms of public sector support or has been felt? Um, I, think it's, I think it's a combination. I think, you know, as when we were talking about Initiate and some of the startups and, and all that, I think there's definitely a large part of the private sector that is creating uh, solutions, uh, working with, you know, grid operators to, to create these solutions that they need. So there's definitely a lot of private sector money and private sector effort going into this because I think that the private sector is seeing that there is a lot of um, progress to be made, that this is an area that's important now to, you know, to the general population. Again, like I was saying, I think that the population in the U.S., no matter what the regulations are, they have moved to the point where, you know, they want clean, sustainable energy. They want a cleaner environment. And they're looking, you know, they're expecting that. And so I think those people are willing to invest to help to help get that, those who can. And then I think that, you know, the private sector is seeing that, okay, this is where we're moving to. So there is that, that interest from the private sector. But I think, you know, also... Um, Utilities are are certainly involved in that, and and you know investor-owned utilities, even public utilities. So certainly there's there's um, you know an effort there, and then of course the Department of Energy um, is is definitely involved in in helping come up with new technologies, um, new solutions. So I, I guess I would say that it's a it's a combination of all of those things. But um, certainly it is, I think, a huge movement here in the U.S. on, on all our parties or all across the, you know, the whole spectrum. Claire, uh, there does seem to be um, almost, I wouldn't quite say an opposite, but certainly a, a contrast in terms, of, uh, in terms of how policy and regulation and consumer pressure seem to have, seem to have been acting on the European market. Um, can you speak to that? Is is it as much, would you say, a private sector effort, or are we seeing um, support come through in terms of uh, in terms of actual policy and regulation as as far as Europe is concerned? Oh, I think it's 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 definitely um, a very strong uh, policy that is coming out of the the European. Uh, market, but I don't think that it is necessarily purely driven by policy. Um, I think it's probably a combination of policy dr driven by policymakers, if I can put it that way. But I think it's also in response to global shifts in in perception around climate change in um, how we generate and utilize a power. There's been a fundamental shift in the way that climate change is perceived. And we've seen this all around the world. It, and it's not just something that's been, as I said, driven by policy. We've seen cities and utilities and governments and companies 
all over the world committing to to become net zero. We've seen activists, uh, consumer activists, really, which have forced investors to rethink their investment agendas and parameters. And all of this, I think, is in, in response not only to a greater acceptance of the, the need to, to change the way that we are doing things, but also, I think, a, a very clear indication that the perception or, or the, the role of consumers in all of this and the public is really important in terms of driving forward policy. You know, one thing that I would also say just uh, in terms of some of the policy issues uh, where we have perhaps seen a slight disconnect between policy and what consumers are, have necessarily wanted um, has been around the rollout of some of the smart metering programs that have been uh, very much driven by policy. The UK, I think, is, is a very good example of that. There's been a lot of tension between, I suppose, the, the need or the, the, the mandate to have a smart meter and perhaps sometimes the level of engagement from utilities or uh, just the way that certain things have been implemented. And uh, consumers there have really used their voice to express their dissatisfaction with, the, with the, the situation. And you're seeing more and more utilities and governments are responding to that consumer voice. They, they are asking more input from them. And I think that that is a particularly significant move. Paddy, is, is that something which, which you're seeing come through on the show floor at Inlet Europe? I think there's, there's um, multiple drivers to, uh, to all of this. And I think um, the utilities have reacted because they're, they're giving, um, they're giving the, the consumer choices um, that they can, they, can, they can make with their, uh, their electricity. And choice in suppliers, being able to, to, to switch suppliers, obviously makes it a very competitive world. Um, out there so and I see in Europe utilities are reacting to this and looking at ways of, of also if, if people can uh, can generate their own electricity why can't the utility as they're doing have a package where um, you can you can buy uh, panels and put them they, they'll be installed by the utility and then gradually you pay that back um, you, you, you get that paid back because it reduces your bill but utilities are driving that as opposed to many consumers but the consumer is feeling good because they're able to, to have uh, solar panels on their roof also choices for um the large users you know you have power purchase agreements where people can can specify and buy with with guarantee of origin um as for the next 20 years renewable energy so they don't have to generate it themselves they uh, they can they can purchase that but something something i just would like to, to flag up and which we haven't really touched upon, but it's something certainly in Europe and it is being pushed forward, is the whole element of efficiency uh, and energy efficiency. And I think this for me is, is something where, for, forget the source of energy, forget uh, buying green energy, but the, the greenest energy is the energy that you don't actually consume. And I think this for me is something that um, we'll see a lot more certainly in Europe because there's there's companies out there saying that you know, the the energy that is saved could be saved could quite easily cope with the new uh, with providing electricity for a whole fleet of uh, of cars for example so i think the consumer is being is being made aware on both elements is on the energy efficiency side and that's also in commercial and industrial um, and also on on the clean uh, the cleaner generation so i think the combination of those two elements being pushed through and innovation on those levels policy 
which which is happening in Europe, um, and the awareness of the consumer will will accelerate that uh, that net zero um, goals that we uh, that we all have. Calvin, looking to uh, to Asia, to Oceania for a second, um, are you seeing uh, are you seeing similar uh, similar policy or at least similar moves and uh, as aggress- as aggressive an approach towards the energy transition as we're seeing in Europe and, and the US? No, is the short answer, which is not to say that the, the energy transition is not happening. But you know, this this phrase we bandy about energy transition means different things to different people in in mm. different countries, and you know, it's not all happening at the same pace. Yes, Europe is leading the way. Asia is making great strides in its own way, but you have to remember that you know it's a real continent of extremes. You have heavily electrified, incredibly advanced uh, countries, and then you have others that have very basic electrification, if any. And you know you can't talk about decarbonisation and digitalisation of of something that isn't there in the first place um, in its most basic basic way. So yes, there are some some countries that have a, a very firm renewables agenda, and they're pushing them. And and that the, they they are realistic ambitions. But for others, you you just can't get away from the fact that in many countries in Asia, coal is still king for a variety of reasons, not least because it might be right on their doorstep to utilize. And for the, it, it's a hard argument to try and get by that they shouldn't do that and instead they should build uh, a whole load of new so-called green infrastructure. So, you know, it's we, we, we have to be very careful in the way that you know, we write about these things and impose one set of values and policy standards in one part of the world onto another because, you know, in Asia, yeah, they're, they're doing great work and they will get there in the end and they know where they want to get to. But they're a long way off it for good reason. As, as a final question, and I'm going to just ask around, um, and I'll, I'll start with, uh, with Paddy, if that's okay. What developments, just looking at, uh, at your experience at a show level where you really are, uh, often I would say, the first then to see some of the new innovations and technologies that are coming through, what, what are you keeping a close eye on in terms of uh, utility level innovation over the next couple of years? For, for me, and it, it harkens back to, to Kelvin's first point, it, it's really the innovation around the system of systems. If you look at um, the, the backbone to, uh, to the energy transition is going to be grids. That could be either data, it could be uh, the heat grid, it could be the electricity grid, it could be the gas grid. Uh, the electricity grid is obviously uh, leading in many ways. But I see the, the innovation around where those elements connect so you're looking at sort of integration sector coupling yeah w- within the system of systems and the innovation that that will bring um so f- so for me that that is what i would would look for and i think it goes back to the fact that what is essential for this energy transition is breaking down the silos it's not going to be wind isn't going to be the champion or solar isn't going to be or hydrogen it's a case of everything coming together and the the way the the system of systems will work together to, to deliver um uh, carbon-free or carbon-neutral uh, system by, uh, by 2050 in Europe. 
And certainly that 2050 target is one which we are all keeping an eye on and we'll be keeping an eye on um, over the next few years. Calvin, would you like to add to that? I think the next couple of years were always going to be exciting times. I think the events of this year and the pandemic have, as terrible as they've, as they've been, have left us with an opportunity that would never have been there before in that there is a need now for an economic stimulus and recovery at, at country continent and global level and if that's done correctly you can accelerate all the things that we've talked about today so uh, you can accelerate innovation um, you know, convergence within the energy industry and convergence with people outside of it too you can empower the customer more you can bring in business and industry commercial industrial and that opportunity is there that it's there doesn't mean to say it's going to be taken and so you know i'm just wondering now if there's always been this argument over the last 10 years where what way the direction of the sector should go is you know let the market decide don't pick winners and losers i wonder if if it's the time that someone now needs to pick some winners and in consequently some losers to push the sector economies and the, the whole energy transition the whole climate agenda in the right direction to give it a nudge that we didn't think that opportunity would be there and if we don't take it now it'll be gone for good claire would you like to speak to that at all is that something which is close to your heart I guess for me, um, obviously watching, uh, watching how the energy transition is going to play out is going to be very interesting. I, I, I guess I would look at it perhaps a little bit more from the detail than the, the more holistic um, and, and eagle eyes perspective that Paddy and, and, and Calvin were, were perhaps looking at. And I, I guess for me, it would be more around how is the electrification of everything going to play out? What, what, what is that going to look like? What role is grid ed technology going to play in this transition? And then uh, one that we haven't really mentioned, but I think that is going to become increasingly important is that of cybersecurity. I think that it is one that is, is very easy to perhaps dismiss. I think it's one that we have a, a great danger of, be, of almost developing security fatigue over, but I think it's one that we cannot afford to take our eyes off going forward. So uh, yeah, as, as Calvin said, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better place to be working now than in the sector. I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I'm sure that's a common sentiment amongst uh, a lot of us here, both here at the table today, but then also just speaking to the sector at large. Teresa, from your side, looking at things again, as we said, the US grid is a very interesting, vast and varied place. What are you keeping a close eye on over the next couple of years? Well, I think um, obviously a lot of what's already been mentioned is, is certainly applies to the U.S. You know, one thing that um, when we're talking about, you know, the pandemic and, and what's happened in just the last few months and some changes that, that it could uh, bring about, one thing that we're seeing here in the U.S. is there's has been for a while and, and now even a bigger push to invest in infrastructure across the country uh, here in the U.S. You know, our, our, our transmission grid, well, just our infrastructure in general is 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 very old. And so I think that 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 is somewhat exciting and hopefully will be um, 
you know, help usher in a lot of these new innovations that we're talking about. As I mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, there are pockets in the country where, where there's a lot of innovation, a lot of things going on. There are other areas of the country when, where there isn't much. And that has to do not just with, with attitude, but also with, with money. And so I feel like um, with this new push on, um, on using, you know, federal funding to help improve the infrastructure, I think, again, during the virus, a, a couple of things happened. One is that, that interest rates fell very, very low here in the U.S. So, so there's a lot of money that's available at a very low interest rate, which should definitely help that, that push uh, to invest and then also it is something that the administration is pushing very hard at. So for me, I think in the next couple of years, it, it could be very exciting to see, you know, are we going to get that huge investment and are we going to be able to really install and start to upgrade the infrastructure with all this new innovation across the country? And I think that will be a game changer, certainly for consumers, as well as for the, uh, the companies that are providing energy. Well, certainly that has been uh, one of the most interesting and exciting conversations that I've had, just looking at the energy sector and uh, the decade that has passed, but then also looking at uh, what is of interest and what we should be looking at in, in months and years ahead. A very, very big thank you then to Claire Forfain, the editor-at-large at Smart Energy International, Kelvin Ross, a head of content strategy for Inland Europe and editor-in-chief for Power Engineering International and Smart Energy International. Also, a big thank you to yourself, Paddy. Paddy Young joining us as the event director at Inland Europe and Teresa Hansen as the vice president of content for Clarion Energy. That does bring us to the end of today's episode. And uh, thank you for making time. If you're interested in how utilities globally have faced the unknown but untold challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, listen to our recent episode with global utility leaders. And if you're interested in finding out more or possibly participating in Inlet Europe 2021, please do click to inlet-europe.com for more. You'll also find leading industry insights and expertise and up-to-the-minute news on our websites and social media. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.